0: Hey, 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 everybody. Today I'm excited to talk about questions from the audience. This is something that we usually do after Thanks for the Clients Challenge group, and I pull some questions that got asked. These are important because if somebody asked these questions, chances are you have thought the same thing. So we're going to cover some of these questions. Stick around. You're listening to Marketing Tips with Melissa podcast. Welcome to Marketing Tips with Melissa Podcast. And now, your host, Melissa Jakubovic. All right. Our first question is How do you know when you've narrowed your niche down enough? I love this question. We talk about niching down, we talk about getting really narrow instead of serving a broad audience. But how do you know if you're too narrow or not narrow enough? Great question. So if you are extremely broad, let's go with the most broad we can go, which is I help everyone. Then if you are helping everyone, you are helping nobody. So we know we have to go a little bit more narrow than that. At least that. I used to have the niche of health and wellness. That was my field. That was my niche. And I found that to be too broad. But you know how I knew that? Because I tried it. So the way you know if you are too narrow or not narrow enough is by starting somewhere broad and trying it out. Simple, right? So if you are first starting out in your business, you might need to go a little bit broader. And then after you have one or two clients under your belt, you can kind of get a feel for what you like. Do I like working with this type of person? Do I feel in alignment? Do I get excited for showing up for this type of work? And if the answers are yes... Then you stay there a little bit longer, test it out, hang out for a while. And if the answers are no, then you can say to yourself, or you can ask yourself, what do I like? Now, when we get to work with someone that we like, we get to learn about what we like. But when we get to work with somebody that we don't really like, and it will happen if it hasn't happened yet, then we also know what we like because we know to do the opposite of what we don't like. So that's when you would go a little bit more narrow. When I decided that health and wellness was too broad for me, it was because I wasn't getting enough clients. There were so many people who did what I did. And every client of mine was very different. Now I know you want to keep it interesting. You want everyone to be different. And sure, we're all different. But when you're in a niche, everyone has a similarity. And therefore, you can create a specialty. So I was helping orthodontists and acupuncturists and orthodontists have a very different business model than acupuncturists and I was helping health coaches and I was helping functional medicine doctors and every one of them has a very different business model. I even ran marketing for bakeries sometimes and karate studios and real estate agents and I was all over the place and you know what? I was frazzled. I was frustrated. I wasn't making enough money. And I was reinventing the wheel every single time I took on a client. And so that's when you can say, hmm, did I start my business to be frazzled and frustrated and make no money? (laughs) No. So that's when you know it's time to go a little bit more narrow. Now when you get too narrow, it's kind of hard to say that you're getting a little bit too narrow. But the only way that you can get too narrow is if you are like super, super, super specific. Like, you need to be a female who's 18 years old, who lives with their mom, just their mom, and one sibling. That's too narrow. But if you're going to say, I help teenage girls, well, then that's a great niche. And you can even get even more narrow, I help teenage girls who are struggling with eating disorders. That's not too narrow. That's a really good niche. The way you know it's a really good niche Is that if there was a teenage girl struggling with an eating disorder and someone said, oh my gosh, I know this person who specifically helps teenagers with eating disorders, you would go, oh my gosh, let me have their phone number. That's the one I want to talk to because they have a specialty, which is my problem. My problem is their specialty. That's who you're going to go. You're not going to go to someone else. You're going to go to the person who has that specialty. So you stick out from the crowd and that's what you want. The goal is that you want to be a big fish in a small sea. Not a small fish in a big sea. So it takes time and it takes testing. You got to weigh it out. You got to figure it out. But it does take time. Like all great things, especially marketing, it takes time. So start off with one or two clients Make some changes, have another two or three clients, make some more changes, and you can get more and more narrow as you go. And this is why I always talk about needing to define your target market once a quarter. We do this in the agency every three months because as you evolve, your target market evolves. So decide where you are today, decide who you like to help, test it out, see how it goes, and then evolve and change things as you go. Alright, the next question. Are Facebook Lives the best for boosting engagement? Here's the thing. Yes and no. Yes, because the algorithm works better for Lives. They push live videos out more than they do for written content and images. But the algorithm is always changing. And where you go live is what matters most. So when we're talking about boosting engagement, I think what this question is referring to is how do we get a lot of engagement, and when we don't have a lot of engagement, how do we increase it and get even more engagement? And this happens to confuse a lot of people, but it's really very simple. You need to show up consistently. You need to be in front of your target market. And your content needs to speak to those people. Because if you're speaking so broadly, I help people who are stressed out. I mean, come on, who's not stressed out? I mean, a lot of people are stressed out a lot of the time. (laughs) So you really are speaking to everybody there at that point. But if I'm talking to a coach who's having trouble making clients, then I'm really specific. And those people who are going to listen and really wanna engage with me are the ones that check those boxes. They're a coach in business and they're having trouble getting clients. So the way that you get a lot of engagement is first being in front of the right people and then showing up consistently. Now, if you're doing all that and it's still not working for you, chances are that your content isn't speaking to them. So I would work on messaging there. That's really important. Make sure you're using the language that they use. I'm not going to go to a healer and say, we need to define your client avatar and we need to study your analytics and metrics because that is marketing jargon. And if I'm going to talk to a healer, I'm going to say something that they understand in the language that they would use to describe their problem. So I'm going to say something like, we want to find your dream client who's totally in alignment with the life purpose that you've set out. Now I'm saying the same exact thing here, but I'm using different language. And instead of saying the part about I need to analyze data, I'm going to say, and we're going to just test things out and see how it goes and do more of what's working and less of what's not. So when your content uses the messaging that they need to hear, now you're going to start pulling people in. It's like the dog with their ears perking up. Oh, you said something I understand. Oh, you said something that sounds exactly like what I'm saying to myself in my head, I'm going to listen. Now, if you're still not getting enough engagement, it could be the time of day that you're posting. It could be where you are posting. Maybe you're posting on LinkedIn and all your people are on Instagram. Maybe you're posting at 6am and everyone is sleeping at 6am. Everyone that you serve is asleep then. Or maybe you're posting at 10am and all of your people are at work. So it really matters who your target audience is. This is why we always define our target market. Every single thing that we do, as far as marketing and sales goes, starts with this base of who is my target market? Who am I speaking to? So if your target is moms with really small children who take naps, then you should probably put your content out during nap time because that's when the mom is going to be scrolling through her newsfeed. Do you struggle with posting content on social media? Is it difficult to show up consistently? Or maybe you're overwhelmed by what to post where. That's why I created my Complete Content Strategy Toolkit, a comprehensive digital toolkit to efficiently and consistently create meaningful content that converts. My toolkit is packed with over $3,000 worth of tools. And the best part, I'm offering it all for the price of one dinner. Go check it out now at AbundantStrategy.com. So you have to think of these things and get into their minds, and that's how you're going to get more engagement. Now, if you still don't have engagement, it could be that you don't have enough of a following. So we would need to work on growing your following, getting more likes, getting more followers. It could also be that you don't have all the information, and sometimes that's just trial and error. We just have to keep on testing. So you might notice that I post on my wall and let's say I post something on my wall and it does eh, not so great. And then a week later, I post it again with a different image, a different picture, and it totally explodes. So many comments and likes. It's all testing. That's what testing is. It's trying things out. And usually what you think is going to work is not always what works. It's a surprise. The top marketers can't tell you, oh, that post is going to do well. They can tell you that, but they won't know. When I'm running ads, the ones that I think are going to just be amazing, aren't always amazing. And the ones that I'm like, that is the crappiest picture ever. No one's going to click on that and boom, it explodes. It's just a surprise. You have to test. That's part of the process. So when you are in this for the long haul, you have more opportunity to test. If you test once and then you throw your hands up in the air and you say, oh, that didn't work. I must suck. Nobody wants my stuff. I should quit. I'll get a real job. Then you're never really going to learn what is and isn't working. Marketing is playing for the long game. Marketing always works. It's just a matter of when. It's not, I'm going to try this once and then throw the whole strategy away if it doesn't work. That's not actually a strategy. A strategy is a set plan with a step-by-step blueprint of what to do, and then you do the thing. Now, each one of those steps is a variable. And you might know from science or math, we don't change more than one variable at a time because then we don't know what was and was not working. So you follow the strategy, and if it works, great, you repeat it. If you follow the strategy and it doesn't work, we have to go back and look at what did you do, What part of the strategy did well? What part of the strategy are you unsure of? And what part of the strategy are you sure did not do well? And you pick one of those things and you change just one thing. And that is how you test. And this is why we play for the long game. Because if you have 15 variables, we're not going to throw the strategy away when it doesn't work, and we're not going to test all 15 things at once, because guess what, the same result, it's not going to work. So if you have 15 items, let's say 15 steps in your strategy, and the strategy doesn't work, now we need to go back and test each one of those things, one by one by one. And that might take time on each step. And overall, to hit all 15 steps, it is going to take time. So if you know that this is your passion, and this is what you want to be doing for your living, then you are in it for the long haul. So you might as well test along the way and give yourself the fairest opportunity for success. Okay, and the last question, how important is it to have an email list? This is an excellent question. I don't think people are talking about this enough. Everyone says social media, social media, social media, but no one's talking about email. Email is a huge part of your online business. I believe that you should be on one platform until you master it. Don't go to another one. And you should have an email list. Those are the two forms of marketing that you should have one platform that you do really well and you do it consistently and you show up there often and your email list because you own the email list. You have the emails. They are yours. You can download them in a CSV file. You can carry them from one email platform to the next, to the next, to the next. You can print them out. They're yours. The friends that you're making on Instagram and Facebook and even LinkedIn, if you get knocked out, you go to Facebook jail your account gets shut down, if Facebook decides they don't want to exist anymore, whatever it is, you can't contact any of those people on your list. You can't contact your contacts. So your business is going to go down the tubes if that's the only way that you connect with people. So you want to have an email list. Think of it as a backup plan to your social media. But not only that, a lot of people check their emails several times a day way more than they're scrolling in Facebook. And if you have 5,000 friends in Facebook, you're not gonna see the content of all 5,000 of those people. But you can be subscribed to 100 people's lists and get 100 emails a day and you will see them in your inbox. You might not click on them all, you might not read them all the way through, but their name pops up and the subject pops up and that is a little spark of, oh yeah, I remember Melissa from Melissa Marketing. I might not click on the email, might not read it, but Melissa came up in my inbox, so that thought crossed my mind. So you stay atop of mind. And if you email often enough, whether they open the email or not, they're going to continuously see you in their inbox. And once in a while, they'll be curious and they'll click. Or you might have diehard fans who open every email, love every piece of content that you put out. Your emails are full of value. And that's even better. So in your email, you have the opportunity to provide tons of value again and again and again and again. And then when you're ready to sell, you're ready to promote something, it's a much easier sell than going on social media and hoping that your thing shows up in their newsfeed. So really important that you have the power and the control in your business to be able to have a pool of people that you can go to and turn to to offer your new services or programs or toolkits, or workshops, and you can't really do that in social media as easily as you can in your email. Not only that, growing your email list is a really fun part of marketing. It takes time, it grows and grows and grows, and it really is directly related to how fast your business grows. So if you have a small email list, let's make that the goal and start adding to it. If you have a huge email list, congratulations. Guess what? The same goal. Keep adding to it. You know, on Facebook, you max out at 5,000 friends. On your email list, there is no max. You can have 200,000 people on your email list. And when we get into the nitty gritty, where it's a numbers game, let's say 1% of the people on your email list convert into a paid client. Well, then let's think about this for a minute. We have a hundred people on our email list. We're gonna sell one program. We have one thousand people on our email list, we're gonna sell ten programs. Can you imagine if you had two hundred thousand people on your email list, you send an email, a mass email out to everyone? Just a pure numbers game, you're going to have people who purchase. So this should always be A very important part of your marketing strategy is building your email list. So the question is, how important is having an email list? Paramount. So super important. It's something that you always want to be working on. And it's a skill. So you might not know what the hell you're doing when you're starting. And as you grow, like anything else, you learn. It gets better and better. And you grow. How cool is that? All right, these are the questions I'm covering today. Stick around for the next podcast episode. We're going to continue with questions from the audience. Hope this helps. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Tips with Melissa podcast at www.marketingtipswithmelissa.com.